said I had too many ponies already. Yes, I programmed it in for you. Four million lines of basic. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And today we're back with season four as we're talking about season four, episode one, Kiff Gets Knocked Up a Notch. So as part of the the recording experience for this, um, I, uh, as part of my research, I should say. um, You got pregnant. Well... That was a secondary part of the research. Okay. My first part is I want to talk about carnival rides. Okay. This has this ties in. No, no, no. I get where you're going with this, um, but okay. So I, I looked up an, uh, initially a whirly gig, which is not the thing that you'll see later on in this episode if you've not watched it yet, which I would probably suggest you watch the episode. Don't you, tell our listeners how to live. Yeah, you do you, listeners. You don't have to watch the Futurama episode that we're talking about. You could just... Listen to us and be confused the entire time. Like we are. That's uh, fair. <laughs> it's it's the confused leading the confused. But that's... So later on in the episode, there is uh, a basically a centrifuge of people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there. this looks like a carnival ride I know of. And I don't remember the name of it. And I looked it up by searching uh, centrifuge carnival ride. It's a Gravitron. That is apparently a brand name, but enough that it is on Wikipedia. Man, you're bringing all the facts between... Uh, this is the one I got for this episode, by the way. Well, I, I mean, went to the Infosphere to look this up. You've got one per episode. Last time it was <laughs> the A1 steak sauce thing that we spent way too long talking about. Yes. Now it's the name of Carnival Rides. Mm-hmm. No, not Rides. Ride A singular. singular. <laughs> well, but you also know what the Whirly Gig is. That's true. So you've got two. It's those big swings. Okay, cool. I, that's what that's what Google said it was. Fantastic. Also a book, I think. So there's that as well. That's less of a ride and more of a. Well, it could be a ride. It could be a good ride a for good, your a, mind. Yeah, nice mental. Yeah. Ride escapism. I have no idea about anything about that book. I don't even. I didn't know there was a book. There you go. Now we've learned a lot today already. Hi, I'm Ben. We've and had I'm a lot Mike. of fun today. <laughs> we have already. We've learned a lot about sure have. carnival rides and, and a book. And a book. <laughs> a book's existence. I didn't even catch the price on that. I was immediately like, no, no, I'm not looking for the book here or the meaning of the word. I'm looking for the ride. Okay. That's a great, great uh, ride you just took me on on that. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, not every opening bit can win. In fact, none of them can. I don't think there has been a one that was a winner. I feel like we have to, in in the, I don't know, 50 or so of these we've done, I feel like one of them has to have been pretty good. It's possible. <laughs> Out there, listeners, tell us which one of the opening bits was better than bad. Like Log. Like long. It's, it's better than bad. It's good. good. 
So tweet at at Back to Futurama and tell us which one of her opening bits was not bad. Shall we talk about the the episode of the, the television show we do this podcast about? I think that's probably for the best. Excellent. <laughs> uh, we start at, at Planet Express. Amy comes in the room on a party board, which is kind of a hover surfboard. And she dismounts and immediately face plants. I like the ongoing joke of how she's this giant klutz, but then she can ride a party board with zero problems. In fact, a lot of grace. A lot I of would grace. Say. But the moment she steps down, just trips over her own two feet. It. I, I like that characterization of Amy. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's pretty fun. I think it's a, it's a funny little note in her. She also notes that the great rad spot is mega rad for party boarding. And then the, prof- the professor's just like, indeed, as though he knows anything about party boarding. Now, the thing you need to know about the professor is that he loves to shred on his party board. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. Okay. I'm just surprised. Fair. He he doesn't fit the stereotype of a party boarder. He's not a stereotypical party boarder, no sir. Exactly. That's why he's so rad. So he's breaking the mold. I don't know why I turned it into like a a weird eighties skate movie, but I did. You need that record scratch that's on literally every so trailer. So you may be wondering how I got here. I made a terrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> that didn't even wasn't even very funny. We need the guy who did the voiceover on the Wonder Years to was voiceover it? Daniel Stern. Was it Daniel Stern who did that? I don't actually know that. Is it time for Ben Google's that corner? <laughs> yeah. It's time for Ben Google's that corner. Everyone's favorite corner. Oh, I forgot I had a picture of John Ralphio <laughs> from, <laughs> from Parks and Rec up on my browser. Just. Uh, life tip leave a picture of john ralphio around for you to find um later and it'll be a joy for you and everybody you know Uh, as a postscript it's not the the worst what was i looking up uh uh, the voice (laughs) yeah (laughs) you are listening to us not have a point on live podcast recording to tape i swear yeah it's daniel stern okay there you go hey you knew um hey you brought the fact this time friend so I like how we, whenever we take one week off, we're just the worst at this. Um, okay, John Ralphio's going away. Woo! Let's talk about Futurama. Yeah, let's do. Um, so Kiff, uh, Kiff is on the phone waiting for Amy. He's been on a, a hold. A telesonic transmission. He's been on hold for hours. Yeah, he's kind of just sitting there, like doing the little thing when you're like tapping your fingers on on the table, just waiting. And then he sees Amy. Sorry, I'm still thinking about John Ralphio. <laughs> shall we? Shall we do a deep dive on that? On, on John Ralphio? Uh, Look, if you've seen Parks and Rec, you get it. I mean, I know I get it. I, I just, just figured it's gonna stay in mind until we talk about it. I got nothing to say about John Ralphio, man. He's. Uh, I got nothing. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I can do this. Yeah. Ooh, deep breath. Okay, because we have gotten through, I think, two, a minute of this, probably 25 seconds of the episode. <laughs> Kiff has been on hold for a while on this telesonic transmission. 
Amy asks why he didn't leave a message, and he says that he's left hundreds of messages with her answering machine, but she never got them. It turns out that Bender's the answering machine, and his little antenna is, like, blinking, and he's like, it's not my fault if you never check me, and then erases all of the messages. (laughs) But it, like, rewinds, like, an old-school answering machine, which is a good little nod in there. So the the reason that Kiff calls is that he kind of can't handle the long-distance relationship. Um, and as he kind of tears up on video and like delivers some, I don't know, heartfelt discussion or whatever, Zap walks behind him, completely nude, tattling off. Yep, that's a thing. Sure is. And yeah, so they're they're having a very heartfelt discussion about their relationship and and the di- the difficulty of being a a long distance, a long 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 distance relationship. Because he's currently out uh, on the Nimbus. Mm-hmm. Um, flying around the galaxy. So there's like a billion miles between them. Literally a billion. That's when Zap notices uh, the video where Leela's on the screen and hijacks the entire video call. As Zap is wont to do. It's true. Uh, Leela throws her book at the video screen, destroying it, ending the call. Which I just want to point out. The book that Leela is reading is called Great Machete Battles. Ooh, pretty good sounding book yeah i am interested in that book also as a total aside okay because i follow the because <laughs> we haven't done any asides today i follow the portland alerts twitter account okay and so many people in portland walk around with machetes it's weird it's it's a very large number and one that i'm kind of uncomfortable with it's a lot of people it's a lot of people oh man leela throws the book the the great machete battles book at the screen breaks it cuts the call off um right then the professor comes in and explains their next mission they're going to be delivering pain medicine to the hive mind of nigel seven and then scruffy rolls out a large pill and announces to everybody (laughs) scruffy's rolling out a large (laughs) pill scruffy rules every time every time there's not a thing that scruffy does that i don't love immediately I mean, I've said it before, but everybody's Team Scruffy. Everybody's Team Scruffy. Amy says that Kiff's on patrol near there, and maybe you, and, and you could drop me off there. And the professor immediately becomes incensed. We could, but we won't. And then excuses himself to go to the Angry Dome. I love the Angry Dome. I, I want one. I, no joke... The okay. same the same friend who did the Futurama quote game with me, which someone on Twitter, by the way, recommended the name Quid Pro Quote, which I Pretty love good. as a great name, uh, as, a, as a name for that game. But the same friend that uh, used to play this Futurama uh-huh. quoting game with me knit me a hat that says Angry Dome on it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I want one. It's so wonderful. Um, it was very, it was very good, um, but it... It uh, fit a little loosely. And also, the, the one problem with the hat that says Angry Dome is that if you look at it from the wrong side, it looks like it just says, do me. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a problem. Or is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> but yes, I do. I Somewhere still, I have that hat that says Angry Dome on it. And it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty tremendous. I kind of want to see it. Um, 
I don't know where it is exactly. I've got pictures of it. I'll post Ooh. it. I'll post it to the Twitter. I'm excited. And and listeners, you should be too. So the crew flies off as they pass <laughs> the professor <laughs> pacing in the angry dome, which is uh, basically completely glass and just walking back and forth, mumbling and screaming. Oh, I just love Let's the angry be dome. honest. We could all use an angry dome in our life. In 2017, we could use an angry in the dome. Year 2017 we could all use one i agree ben you are correct so as they're flying off leela says that because the mission is so far away to conserve oxygen they have to go into hibernative naptosis to conserve oxygen uh bender is like i don't even use oxygen as he closes his eye door Mm -hmm. and then as everybody goes off to their hibernative naptosis amy pops out of this big pill mm-hmm. and basically steals the ship. Like yeah, she just hijacks it. She goes and flies it over to the Nimbus. Uh, in fact, at the Nimbus, uh, Zap is watching an old cartoon when the alarms come on, indicating that there's an incoming vessel. There's some exchanges that I don't remember exactly. Uh, Zap tells Kiff to prepare for ship to ship intimacy. And Kiff is really Kiff enthusiastic is in, about Kiff this is one. into it. Oh, yeah. He's super into it. But he also knows Amy's probably flying it. So, Right. Because why else would they come? Because Leela is not a huge fan of Zap. So on the Nimbus, um, I just wrote down Zap is being a creep. Because yeah, he is. It's, yeah, it's hard to argue that point. Uh, basically, the planet, plan, uh, planet Express ship docks and immediately jars Leela awake. And, Le- and Zap is laying next to her. In her bed. Uh-huh. It's really, really bad. She does punch him in the face, though, so that's pretty good. That's a positive, I guess. <laughs> Silver lining is a punch in the face. It's a very popular expression. Is, is it's it? It's 100% a popular okay. expression. Uh, okay. Kiff and Amy are in Kiff's quarters, like, holding hands, and uh, Amy is so excited to press her lips against Kiff's lipless beak. Which is a, just a just a detail that I love very. It's much. a very romantic thing. It's right up there with "Hey, sexy mama, want to kill all humans." <laughs> it's up there. It's up there somewhere, but it's up there. Which, by the way, my girlfriend totally said "Hey, sexy mama, want to kill all humans" to me the other day, and I was just so taken aback <laughs> because I wasn't expecting. You were it. not ready for how you felt about that one. I, w- I was not ready, but it was it was pretty great. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, Kiff asks Amy to move in with him in his ship quarters. Amy's like, won't it be cramped? I mean, it is It is like a room that it's is... It's less than that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a... It's like the size of a bathroom. At best. Depends on the bathroom. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's very small. Amy has her doubts. And so to kind of prove his love, he takes her into the hollow shed. Uh, the hollow shed can simulate anything you desire and nothing can hurt you. Well, except for when it malfunctions and the holograms become real. But there's like basically no chance that's going to happen. So. Yeah, certainly not this time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very like I'm not a Star Trek fan. And even though I know yeah. it's a very direct reference to the hollow deck. And I think there's an episode where evil like holograms become real 
I think it's not an episode. I think it's like a, ro- a recurring thing based on different uh, series. Is friend of the podcast, Tema will correct us. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Anytime there's a Star Trek thing, we can just be like, eh, whatever. She'll <laughs> she'll correct us. <laughs> I love how we're just offloading that to her. Well, really, she's she's gonna, gonna do it anyways. Oh, that's fair. We could attempt to get. We it right. know that she knows that. <laughs> We we know all this going in. We could attempt to get it right. No. Well, that would that would not be very very on brand with the podcast. So you're correct. Look, we have the rule. I'm only allowed to Google one thing, <laughs> and I used it looking up Daniel Stern. <laughs> so I I feel like we've broken that rule in the past. We have, but it's funnier if I only. <laughs> If I use my one time looking up Daniel Stern as the voice of it's, the voiceover in the Wonder Years, it's like a cool. Uh, it's a it's an effect in World of Warcraft that has a cooldown of a week, and then a surprise John Ralphio came out of the wor- woodwork. So that well, there's got to be a random spell in there, of course. So, um, uh, so yeah, they they go through a series of programs that Kif has made for the Hollow Shed, including Spirit. Uh, a, a pony that Amy always wanted, but she had too many ponies already. That is four million lines of basic. I do like the reference to basic. Mm-hmm. Like of all the programming languages you could use in the year three thousand, basic, basic. Also, four million lines. He put work into it, which is why you don't use basic. I mean, like Python probably already has like a horse. Uh, yeah, uh, just import module. horse. Yeah, import horse. There you go. Done. Horse.name equals spirit. Done. Horse.nay. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was too good. Hey, I I, I am. You got me on the coding stuff. I am here for this. So, yeah. And then there's also (laughs) um, a a simulation where Kif is like, I'll pluck the moon from the sky. But he has some trouble, like, actually pulling the moon from the sky. Well, to to make it clear, it's not it's not Earth's moon. It's just a random moon on the tranquilibrious sea sure but it's, it's very small it's still like literally i don't know like you remember the in like gym class in high school like those big like rubber balls mm-hmm. it's yeah. like one of those yeah it's not like the earth's moon that most people re- think of when you say the word moon well see now i always okay because i never assumed that this this hypothetical place literally had a moon that was that size like if you traveled to that planet that the moon would be like that i'd assumed that it was programmed in to be like you know a, a show of strength uh, or right just like you know you see the moon way up there and then kiff reaches up and grabs it and boom like this romantic sort of over the top movie gesture i never assumed that the planet literally had a moon that was the size of of like a large ball sure that you could just reach out and touch because the physics on that don't even make sense mike well we sure do <laughs> restrict our, ourselves to things that only would work with physics I, I was just saying like some people could probably be like oh yeah he plucked the moon out of the sky but wanted just to make sure that everybody knew it's not earth it's not Earth's moon. It's a fake tiny moon that he created so he would look cool. I'm glad we spent 20 minutes on that. I agree. So. <laughs> we spent the right amount of time on this podcast talking or about the real thing. Everything. Um, <laughs> stay tuned for my new podcast, the Jean Ralphio podcast. <laughs>
That one does not have Cotton Eye Joe as it's... It's, it's going to be the worst. <laughs> um, I know you already made that joke. It's still funny. Anyways. <laughs> Kiff also changes to Kiff colon slash slash three, which is a castle in the clouds, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, which Amy says that her aunt had a place like that. But Amy basically says this is all very romantic, but... There's still so much she wants to do on her own. She'd like to move in with Kiff someday, someday. just not today. Uh, and Kiff is very sad. Yes, he's very sad. But at that moment, everything in the simulation sort of flickers real quick. And then they're like, uh-oh, what was that? Uh, maybe the hollow deck, uh, hollow shed. See, I'm mm-hmm. mixing up my terms. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the hollow shed broke down, and at that point, the castle is invaded by... <laughs> I believe he's like, I hope we don't cross paths with... Yeah, and then it's invaded by Attila the Hun, <laughs> Professor Moriarty, Jack the Ripper, and Evil Lincoln. <laughs> evil Lincoln kick, kick, just cuts at my core every time. Why? Why Evil Lincoln? I'm sure. I'm sure. There's a that's that's one of the most direct references to Star Trek, and I do not know it, and I'm okay with being corrected. But I love the fact that it's Evil Lincoln. Uh, so they all run out of the hollow shed after Evil Lincoln swings an axe and just breaks the whole simulation, and everybody runs in to the the bridge, bridge and they are chased by these holograms, and Zap threatens to shoot. Uh, but then Attila the Hun warns that if you shoot and miss, it'll cause explosive decompression. Pretty good for a character or a person that didn't really have space travel in in his time. History still can't answer the question of whether or not Attila the Hun knew what explosive decompression was. That's fair. I don't know why he would know it, but yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't. Ooh, smart, smart, smart things. So, nevertheless, Zap says, spare me your space age technobabble, Attila the Hun. And he shoots and misses wildly and hits the wall. And sure enough, the hull gets breached. Everybody starts getting sucked out. Um, Most of the holograms get sucked out and they're floating out there in space. Mm -hmm. The rest of the crew kind of create a human chain, starting with Leela, who is holding on to the captain's chair. Um, and they're just trying to hold on as as hard as they can so they don't get sucked out the hole. And at that point, Kiff sort of loses his grip. And so he kind of flies toward this hole. It, it's very important. He's holding on to Amy and, and his glove slips off. So his hand is exposed. So, yes. I mean, I was going to get to the, the glove thing. Um, it's just this, it's a you're right. It's an important detail. Mm hmm. But um, it, it does. It they do zoom in on, on the glove coming off. So and uh, so everybody's trying to to grab for a kiff so he doesn't get sucked out of this hole. Um, Amy grabs him like by the his lipless beak, which seems like a painful thing. Less painful than being sucked out into space. If I have to compare the two, you know, you make a hard, you make a strong argument. And so everybody's kind of grasping at Kiff to make sure he doesn't get sucked out the hole. And then right then the moon, that holographic moon comes in 
like the door is even open for it, which I love. <laughs> I know it's so wonderful. And it comes in and bounces and and gets sucked into that hole, and it's just the right size to basically plug up the hole. Yep, and everybody is safe. Everybody's safe. They go to the sick bay, and everyone is cleared of most major maladies, except for a few broken bones, some internal emerging, and a particularly uh, a partially barfed up heart. The partially barfed up heart raises more questions than it answers. And those questions never get answered. And I'm okay with that. I, I prefer it. Yeah. I don't want to know anything about that. Because I didn't see anybody barfing, barfing up. up a heart. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm going to go on record saying that is television I don't want to see. <laughs> you don't want to be shown a partially barfed up heart? You want to be told about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one case where uh, tell, show, don't show. show not tell does not apply. <laughs> um, I'm fine with just the paragraph saying, and he partially barfed up the heart and then being like, all right, cool. That was gross and weird. That was gross and weird. Moving on with the next paragraph, though. It's really weird that that was part of the time traveler's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Harry Potter, but that's way better. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, oh, also, um, uh, the doctor delivers says that Kiff is pregnant. Everybody seems shocked except for Kiff, who seems very excited, and Amy's very confused. We're all pretty confused. It's true. Um, Amy's uh, kind of disheartened by the news. She's kind of like, "Oh, okay." Uh, Leela is confused because Kiff is a male of his species. Bender uh, says, every time I think I figured out biological creatures, there's always something else. Let me get them. And, and has to be restrained from attacking Kiff. I get it. Biology is confusing. To the point where you'd punch uh, Kiff? No, I like Kiff. I also like Kiff. I'd go back and punch Zap. That'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair. You'd be like, well, I don't understand you, Kiff. Punch Zap directly <laughs> in the face. Uh-huh. Well, no, I like that. Um, Kiff's explanation is that when one of his species experiences deep feelings of love, they enter a receptive state and their skin becomes a semi-permeable membrane that allows the passage of genetic material. Yep. There's not much funny in that except for the, the, I believe everybody kind of groans at the receptive state. It is kind of weird. Who are we to judge how, how babies are born in, in in different species like i said i'm not yucking anyone's yum exactly fry points out but wait a minute like you touched every like everybody because everybody was trying to like grasp for kiff to make sure mm-hmm. he doesn't doesn't fly out of the the hole and um so i mean it, the the mother could be anybody it's true uh kiff says it, it's possible uh, just like it's possible he got pregnant from a toilet seat, even though he has a private washroom. And then Zap comes out of the private washroom. So even Zap could be the mother. He calls it his home away from home. I couldn't get through that without feeling terror. I don't. I don't. Maybe he just has a. Maybe his bathroom is bigger than his his actual room. I mean, you saw the size of that room. It's true. Amy suggests maybe they should have a test. Bender immediately demands a test. So they go to Planet Express. Uh, The professor says he even laughed at himself for creating this alien cross-species genetic analyzer. But he showed himself. 
It's explained that the maternifuge will separate out whoever isn't the parent. Um, I wrote down its big centrifuge ride, which we now know right. is called the... Gravitron. I also would like to point out that I take my notes on uh, Google Drive. Google Drive thinks that maternifuge is a correctly spelled word. Although, curiously, Zoidberg is not considered a correct word, but maternifuge, <laughs> fine. Okay, I like that... that- juxtaposition of correct versus incorrect words it is basically a big gravitron ride where they compare it against this dna sample that was taken out of kiff which is a lot it's a lot of dna it causes his head to deflate which he blows back up like a balloon and then uh it compares the the dna and when it finds that a an individual is not the parent it shoots them out of this ride it's also running at 10,000 RPM. So it's going real fast. So they get spun around, the floor opens up, and then first Fry gets shot out, and then Zap gets shot out, and Kiff is very, very happy about that. I would agree. Yeah, 100%. And then Zoidberg? It, it turns out that's his home, so he's homeless. Because, yeah, Zoidberg wasn't even on the ship when Not all this even went a little down. Bit. And... Then, last but not least, Amy gets thrown out, and I mean, so Leela is the mother. Kiff realizes that Leela grabbed his ungloved hand from the details earlier and reflects on that poster in hygiene class. No glove, no love. Right. And the thing that I like about the the scene where all that is happening, um, when you know he's getting sucked out the hole and everything... Is that if you know what you're looking for, and if you look closely, you can see that Leela is the only person who actually touches his skin, other than Amy, who, you know, grabs his beak. beak. But none of the other people actually even touch yeah. Kiff. Amy, or uh, Kiff grabs onto Fry's pants mm-hmm. and kind of just touches Bender's chassis. Which and- also, I would be surprised if Bender got him pregnant. <laughs> we'd all be surprised um and so yeah i just think it's a it's a very good little detail that like you're not looking for the first time but when you know what you're looking for like they they put the effort into it and i like that they put in the they put in the work and i i also appreciate that kiff points out though that regardless of where the dna came from he does thank leela he does thank leela which is a very nice thing very kind of him um this is why we love kiff it's true. Uh, the true parent is the person who inspired the initial feeling of love that caused them to go into that sort of weird receptive state. And that person is called the smizmar. And that smizmar is Amy. We. This is not the first time we've heard of smizmars. I think this is like the third time. I certainly know that at one of the robot fighting fights. Uh-huh. Ladies and gentlemen and smizmars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's 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 nice that that little touch comes back, but it's a, it's a neat little detail that you don't know what it is. It sounds kind of futuristic at the first blush, and then you come back to it. And it's like, oh, this is actually really nice. Either that, or they only are smart enough to come up with five pretend words, and they used the fifth one last episode. I don't know <laughs> about that. Based on they created multiple alien languages. It's true. Amy is feeling very upset about being the mother mm-hmm. Leela and amy go to Orz- ozorgnax's our favorite bar oh the easiest one to say um they're having some drinks they look like kind of like 
uh, green drinks and martini glasses. I'm going to call them space martinis. Space martinis. They also have a little bit of what looks to be space dust kind of just like floating over them. It's kind of That's nice. what makes it a space martini. It's true. Um, if it didn't have the dust, it would just be a green martini. Mm-hmm. A green teeny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Indeed. Um, <laughs> Leela initially apologizes for getting Kiff pregnant, which Amy's, yeah, that's okay. Amy decides to open her calendar to put the baby shower in it. Um, and uh, while she's at it, converts her entire calendar to motherhood mode, which clears her entire schedule and puts replaces every day with motherhood. It's kind of a kind of a stark thing to see. A little bit. Later on at the robot arms apartments, we go to the baby shower with a big banner that says it's a baby something. Uh, Amy is trying to kind of broach the topic slowly and gently to her parents, but they do not care how Kiff, who they call the squishy alien, got pregnant. They just care about grandchildren. Yeah, they're pretty stoked. uh, Mrs. Wong also instructs them to call her grandma like crazy. Like all the time. Fry announces that everyone's here. Also Zoidberg. <laughs> so let's open the gifts. Uh, Bender's gift is is his booties from when he was a, ch- a baby robot. Amy is confused because they're already bronzed. And Bender says they're made of bronze. Uh-huh. Like, there's, that's just the fact. Like, mm-hmm. you should know that. Uh, Leela gives them a basket, the one that her parents left her in, in at the orphanarium. Hermes points out, though, you could use it for picnics. I mean, it's certainly possible. And Amy's parents gave her her own party board that was converted into an ironing board it kind of depresses amy while kiff is beaming uh he delivers a monologue about the deep dark waters of commitment uh zoidberg thinks it's so beautiful it's kind of a downer speech Mm -hmm. this kind of causes amy to kind of have a a episode like she just kind of breaks emotionally and she bursts out into tears and tells kiff she can't do this running out of the room you hear a small child crying, and it turns out it's Zoidberg. That's a good uh, bait and switch. It's true, because it, it it's kind of implies that he gave birth at that moment. Uh-huh. It's very good. Because, like, literally any other sitcom or anything would have done that. Oh, yeah. The, the instead, subver- it's, instead, it's just Zoidberg. The subversion of the trope, just being Zoidberg, is pretty terrific. Uh, Kiff is really sad, uh, just kind of wondering why Amy could leave him when his stomach gurgles uh, that kind of indicates something called the quickening is afoot. And he must return to the home, his home world to do the ancient birthing rites. Scruffy says, let me know how that turns out and eats cookies. Good old Scruffy. He always wants to know. He, he just he wants to be there, but not really there, but he wants to be there emotionally. Look, he's just a man who's got his priorities straight, and in this moment, it's cookies. Sometimes it's potato chips. Sometimes it's pornography. <laughs> he's Scruffy a man that is just living his best life. He's a man that knows what he wants and goes for it. And by goes for it, I mean stays there because he's already got everything yeah, he needs: cookies and chips and pornography. He's contented. Um, so the crew takes Kiff to Amphibious Nine, his home planet. And so they land and Kiff is like, this is a journey I have to take alone because usually it's something I would do with my Smizmar, but she's not here. So I have to do it by myself. He gets maybe a foot before a plant knocks him down. 
he then gets carried by Leela the rest of the way while Zap, Bender, and Fry use machetes to clear the way. More machetes, man. It was it was a it was foreshadowing at the very beginning of the episode. And also the the Portland Alerts Twitter is in on this somehow. I don't know how. It's but true. So many, it. so many machetes. So many machetes in my city. A disturbing amount of machetes. Lo- too many. Too. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put my foot down. Too many machetes in this city. We need Batman to come in and clean up the machete problem. I didn't. I. I okay. Is that what Batman does? <laughs> Maybe who knows what's going on is with it, all the reboots? Is there can't is there, keep track? Is there a supervillain named Machete Man that's wrecking havoc over Portland? For all I know, maybe. Yeah, they are going to the the pond where he was born. Um, on the way, they encounter a poisonous Frode, which is so dumb. It's like the dumbest joke in the whole episode. It's, it's very good because Bender's like, "What is that? A frog?" Or a toad, maybe it's your mama, whatever. But yeah. like, and so <laughs> Kiff is just like, it's a poisonous frode, and I'm like, it's so dumb. It's a, it's the dumbest joke in the episode. But the, it's, it's the yes, it is correct. It doesn't mean it's not funny. It's dumb and funny. It's but just, it also because Kiff uses his his head balloon powers to scare it off, which I thought was it added a dimension to Kiff. Even if the name of the animal was silly. <laughs> Very silly. Uh, they do finally reach the sacred ancestral birthing grounds of Kiff's family. Zap says it smells like a jockstrap. Stay classy. Out of the pond comes the a, a uh, grand midwife, who is a member of Kiff's species, dressed up in a lot of like ritual robes. And um, the grand midwife just kills me. I love, I love the grand midwife <laughs> so much. She so okay. There's a lot going on in this scene, so let's break it down. Because first of all, uh, the first part of the ceremony is that they brew something called the tea of life, which is this big, big, big pot of tea with a little like tea tag <laughs> coming out of it. Little tea tag, and um, <laughs> and she's like. Where is your smizmar? And Kiff explains that she's not there. And the grand midwife is like, oh, the sorrow. Oh, the shame. I'm sorry. I'm probably just making you feel worse. <laughs> I love I love that she, the, the midwife is so like, like, oh, I recognize what I'm doing. Well, I'm not going to stop. Grand midwife is like, honey badger. Grand midwife don't care. Grand midwife don't care. Um, so Kif says that anytime that I, I I feel the love of Amy, I will be able to lift the jug with the strength of two, but just kind of does a really bad job of it. He still does it, though. That's true. The grand midwife starts delivering this ceremony. Heavy at, on the smizmar. At the very first mention of smizmar, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, but I have the ceremony memorized by rote, and it mentions her a lot. And Kif's like, I'll try to endure that's good because I'm not changing it. <laughs> just <laughs> she like don't care. Flat out not doing it for you. It's true. The grand midwife is very good. She's very good. Uh, Kiff gets a cup of the tea of new life and kind of is told to look into her his Ms. Marv's eyes and say each other's names. <laughs> I like that the grand midwife is like, she. part of the ceremony is literally like, 
Um, I can tell from the love I'm feeling from this, like, it's so good. Memorized by rote. It means she doesn't feel Jack, like, any time. <laughs> it's just part of the thing she says. Well, it, it, it's implied that she's done it a while. Um, so, yes, he, he's supposed to turn into Amy's eyes and speak each other's name to take a sip. But Kiff sheds a single solitary tear into the tea and softly says Amy. And at that point, Amy flies in on her party board slash ironing board Mm -hmm. and shouts Kiff. And then she, again, very, very graceful landing and then trips getting off of the party board. Amy tells him that she doesn't know if she's ready for this, but she does know that she loves him and that she wants to be here beside him, which is a wonderful moment. Uh, and uh, at that point, everything starts happening. Oh, man. We get a a scene that's probably about as gross as seeing somebody barf up a partially uh, barfed up heart. Well, I mean, it's it's an alien giving birth to a uh, not... A whole lot of goo just comes a out. A whole lot of goo. Thankfully, we don't witness any of this. Well, we see the end result of the goo. Right, but I'm, fi- I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, le- <laughs> we don't see the actual thing in progress. That's true. So, yes, we don't actually see the actual birth part, but everyone else does and is all grossed out. Mm-hmm. And then... They're, they're, the babies are basically a mass of small tadpoles in, in a-, a giant pile of green goo. Yep. And they start heading toward the pond, and a bunch of animals at that point are all flocking to eat these tadpoles snakes and giant bugs and so both amy and leela hop into action and uh get rid of all the animals so that all of these tadpoles can can go into this like lake swamp whatever Mm -hmm. thing at this point the great grand midwife takes her leave she lives here so she's not going anywhere but you don't have to talk to her anymore which is the thing she actually says. Yeah. She's just like, you don't have to talk to me anymore. This is why the great... And then she's the literally so just great. standing in the background of the scene, unmoving <laughs> the entire rest of the scene. And it's very good. I love the grand midwife. She's great. Wonderful. Um, Kiff and Amy kind of like stand and kind of stare at the swamp, seeing the fruits of their labor... Um, and Kif, literally literally woo uh. um kiff says that in 20 years they'll sprout legs and crawl back onto land as children and she says i'll be ready then and then we kind of just get a little bit of the uh, of footage of the tadpoles swimming in the water until we see one at the very end that has one single solitary eye and that's the end of the episode which means that it is time for great <laughs> I like this episode a lot. There's okay. a lot of good stuff going on in it. I don't know that I'd necessarily say it's like one of the best or anything. Um, but the jokes are pretty good. I like the Grand Midwife. Um, you know, even like the stupid poisonous Frode joke is pretty fun. <laughs> um, high level of Zap, which we all know I'm not a fan of. But the thing that I like about this episode, and we talked about this a little bit on Where the Bugalo Roam, but you get it even more in this episode where Kiff and Amy have a really interesting relationship dynamic mm-hmm. that I don't think you were really getting a whole lot of at the time. 
Kif is not a very traditionally like masculine sort of character. Sure. And Amy is, in general, totally okay with that. Um, you know, you get this storyline where Kif is really into this idea of being a parent, and Amy is freaking out about it. And, you know, it's it's sort of a an non-traditional story arc uh as far as their like gender roles and whatnot are concerned and um more so in this episode unlike where in uh where the bugalo roam very few jokes are actually at kiff's expense mm-hmm. that um, is true you get the one where they land on the planet and he gets pushed back by a leaf and then leela has to carry him um but for the most part, they kind of just let Kiff be Kiff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's, you know, not being a traditionally like manly sort of character um, or being overly romantic and being just in love with the idea of being a father, like all of these things. I think that's great because it's something that we don't get in a lot of the rest of Futurama. We don't get a lot of in the rest of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not in like 2003 or whenever. Oh, definitely you know. not. Yeah. So, so I really enjoy that aspect of it on top of everything else going on in the episode. Um, with all of that said, I think I will give it a B plus. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with a lot of what you said. I do think it does some, you know, subversion of social norms and, gender roles which i do find fascinating and uh i just don't i don't think it's very a very engaging episode for me okay the jokes are funny but i think i I, it to me personally i don't i i think it attempted something grander than it could pull off okay i think there is it, it expects you to have this relationship between Amy and Kiff, which I believe has only been dedicated to about two or three episodes at this point. I so, think you're right about that. So yeah. it, it doesn't do a whole lot of work to establish the, the, the relationship before throwing this in there. I think that is a disservice to this episode. Interesting. Okay. Uh, um, Because I mean, the last episode that you have them in is, is the bugalo where it, it basically is just about how much he loves her and how much she, you know, like at the end they share a kiss like, and now you're going to do a pregnancy storyline, which is, I mean, I certainly a, a different subversion of the pregnancy trope, but I I don't know. I think, I think I would have preferred a little bit more work to go into showing their relationship than, you know, it go, especially the way that it flows is like they're super long distance to, Will you move in with me? I don't know. To pregnancy, and and I understand that, you know, that's very possible as a human condition where you're having a long distance relationship and things happen. I, I I don't know. I just I never felt like I got the right amount of information and feeling for what this relationship really looked like. So I I think that took me out of it personally. That I think took it. I I it's still the jokes are good. Sure. I think Scruffy's great. I think Zoidberg's great. I think the there wasn't really much other than this a plot. Sure, and, and I, I mean, well, I I mean, I don't mean to cut you off or even tell you that you're wrong inherently, but I mean, they're they are 
background characters essentially i mean sure no i understand i i i certainly understand but then you kind of this episode did elevate them to main characters and i think they tried to make something happen that they didn't quite earn for my, for my opinion okay and i and i think i think you could do a couple more episodes establishing uh amy and kiff's relationship before doing this episode and i think it would have done done better service by the characters okay um but i think i've already spoken a ton about that already Uh, again this episode's still quite good it's not bad by any means um but i think i'm gonna give it a b minus okay but we want to know what you all have to say about this episode or futurama in general anything else we talk about um daniel stern's Mm -hmm. role in the wonder years um parks and rec parks and rec if you want to if you want to Carnival talk rides. to me about Jean Ralphio, like go for it. Let's I'm here for that. Yeah, if you want to get in contact with us for any reason, there are plenty of ways to do that. Uh, you can email us at back to the Futurama podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at back to Futurama. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash back to Futurama. And we are on Apple Podcasts, so search for us, rate us, review us, subscribe, and send it to your friends, and let's all talk about really interesting pregnancy plots on Futurama together. Send it to Daniel Stern so he can do the voiceover for our podcast. Um, And and, and one thing that I think uh, we might have touched on last week, but we were interviewed as part of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we were interviewed as part of Unabashedly Obsessed, uh, a podcast out there. Yeah, on their uh, PodCon episode, they interviewed a bunch of different people from a lot of different podcasts. Including our our, our faces. Including us. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to hear us being weirdos on a different podcast, uh, check out... Um, last week's unabashedly obsessed we've tweeted it and uh put it on facebook so if you just go to where we told you to go to earlier you'll be able to find it and listen to it and uh we were basically just just as silly and weird as we are now yeah pretty much so uh thanks for reminding me about that because i was totally gonna forget it so thanks to aaron and james of the unabashedly obsessed podcast for having us on it was it was a fun time yeah, and uh, you know, no promises or nothing, but we're maybe working on getting them on as guests at some point. Ooh, some exciting times! Yeah, podcast cross promotion. What? What? Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Uh, so yeah, um, I think that is going to do it for us this mm-hmm. week. So until next time, I'm Ben and I'm Mike. Goodbye, Goodbye from, from the world of tomorrow. tomorrow.